Well, here we are again this Tuesday evening asking you just to open your heart and get ready for something good to take place in your life. We have a very important somber and sober subject that we're going to be talking about, so we want you to stay with us. Pastor Al, it's so good to have you here with us, and so um, I believe tonight's really going to be a uh, a night where people can touch the hem of Jesus' garment, like... Um, uh, the little woman in in the Bible, when uh, in Mark five, I believe it is, where she pressed through the crowd and touched the hem of his garment, and she was made whole. And I believe this will be the same for people tonight. Well, you know, I have great expectation for this tonight because I know it's helped me some of the things we're going to be talking about. Uh, as a matter of fact, my uh, wife's baby sister, my sister-in-law lives up around Monroe, Georgia, just went through breast cancer surgery. Uh, Sister Barbara told me today, I believe one of her family members is the same. Uh, this is a subject because cancer touches so many millions of people. Uh, tonight, we're basically going to be talking about melanoma, which is the type of cancer that I have. But what we're going to be talking about, uh, Pastor, is uh, how to live through this, with this, around this, over this, above it, and not let the disease itself, whether it's cancer, because some people may have coronary heart disease. I've got that too. <laughs> Sometimes I think I'm a pincushion for certain things, you know, just, just pl plug it in. Uh, but we're talking to people tonight, no doubt, uh, in whatever country you're watching or if you're watching right here in the United States and hopefully my sister-in-law Terry is watching because I believe this will be an inspiration and a blessing to her. She traveled with us for many years as a part of our singing trio when we evangelized all across the country. And so uh, I believe that if you are suffering, if you are going through a valley uh, with a physical trial, emotional trial, spiritual, any type, uh, we're going to be hitting on subject tonight. We're going to deal with the elephant in the room before the night is over. You know, the elephant's always there, and sometimes we talk around it and not about it. But I believe tonight, God, and, and this is all going to be from the Word of God. It's not going to be my opinion. It's going to be what I've experienced over the last six years. Well, and, and by saying that, um, what we want to... Um, what we want people to know is um, that they're not alone. Absolutely. You know, they're not alone. When you get diagnosed, when, when you get words that are very, very uh, despairing, uh, no hope in them, we want to tell you that Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you, but go with you to the end of the world and Amen. he'll give you hope. So I hope if you know someone that has cancer, has fear of cancer, has a loved one that has passed because of cancer, or anything to do with cancer, that they will tune, on, tune in because we are going to be talking to you from the Word of God and bringing encouragement, certainly not bad news, because no. God does not have bad news. God only has good news. But for, uh, you know, just, just let me read this to you. About 9,730 people die from melanoma alone. Now, that's the only, that's only melanoma. That's not all the other 
different types of cancers that there is um, that people die from, but melanoma every year, almost uh, 27 every day. And it says in 2019, over 192,000 Americans are expected to be diagnosed with melanoma. The survival rate for the type of melanoma that I, anyway, that many people have mm -hmm. is only 18%. It's in and stage four, it's 18%. When it's in stage four, it's 18%. Well, you know, uh, that's very disheartening to hear that. But we want to talk about cancer and we want to talk about how to as, as Pastor Al mentioned just a minute ago, how to walk through, how to be above, how not to be beneath. You say, well, I know this person and they, they, they died, they didn't get healed. Now, I, I, I really don't use that kind of a language when I say... Well, they did get healed. Well, th that's what I was about <laughs> to say. I don't, I don't use it that way. Right. I, I think they are in the presence of the Lord. All they did was lay their body down. And they're in the presence of the Lord. Right. So uh, how could you say that person didn't get healed? Mm -hmm. Their body may not have gotten rid of that cancer here on earth. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we're a spirit. We have a soul. And we live in a body. So therefore, uh, since we are a spirit and we have a soul, our spirit and soul, when this body decays and goes back to the dust and... Uh, we're automatically, when this body lays down, we're automatically in the presence of the Lord. Amen. So how could you say you lost? You can't, and this body is just for this earth. we got another body coming. That's right. And That's it's right. for eternity. It, it is for eternity. And uh, you that are on uh, Lightcast, it's good to see you that are on Lightcast. And many, uh, many people watch us on Lightcast, of course, that do not choose to talk with us and, and give us a notice and sign in that you're here. And that's, that's understandable, and it's okay. Just the fact that you're watching, we're glad for that. And uh, wherever you're watching from, we're really, really glad to have you aboard. There's Shirley, there's Michael, um, uh, Vanessa. Um, uh, Tyson Brownell, uh, Solly uh, from up in Toronto, Merle, my sister, Darling Lewis over in Mississippi, and just many others that is joining us. We're just glad that you are. So as we get started here, uh, I may be bumbling just a little bit. And While you're fumbling around getting all this technology together. Well, it wasn't working, <laughs> and we were late getting everything started. So uh, uh, I'm trying to get my bearings together, and I'm going to get them. And uh, I see my, uh, my nephew, and I love you, Faith, but you're up in Minnesota today. It must oh. be really cold in Minnesota. I'm, I'm glad you're there. And I'm glad it's not me that's there. Amen. I agree with that. I've been there and it's cold. Michigan's cold enough, right, guys? Michigan's cold enough. Yeah, we got some people here in the, the chapel tonight. Let's give them a big hallelujah, would you? Come on, let's give a... Uh, and, and for Dallas, it's cold. I know some people say, well, y'all are not cold. People that's watching us from the north and, and, you know, many Canada and some of those places where it's really cold and they got a lot of snow. And Minnesota, let's say you guys are... You guys are wimps down That's there right. in Texas because that's it's right. in the, it, I think it's right around 38 or something like that. But to us, that's cold. And it was 22 the other night or yeah. 20, somewhere that's along right. there. And, boy, that's not my kind of weather. 
80 is my kind of weather. That's that's my kind of weather. But anyway, uh, we're going to be talking about this. And let's get started. But I want to pray. I want to pray right now because I know there's people that, that fear cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, my mother-in-law, she, she her body laid down and, and, and did not make it uh, out of this world without that. But she went on into heaven. And I could go on and on, and Pastor Al was just explaining about his sister-in-law that just recently was diagnosed and I think had surgery yes, already. Yes, she's already had her surgery, so she's recovering now. She's recovering now and probably going to be taking some type of uh, chemo. Chemo, mm-hmm. And many people do this. And um, anyway, as we get started, let's pray. Father, I thank you for the people thank that you, are Father. viewing with us Hallelujah. from different parts of the world on our many different stations and things that we're on live right now, and also for the wonderful people here with us on Facebook. I pray, Lord, that as they stay and will listen and will become a part of this webcast and realize that we're not here to be negative, we're not here to bring despair, but only hope. But we will be discussing issues that's real, And we will not deny them. And faith does not deny reality. Faith changes reality. And so we pray tonight, Holy Spirit, those that are watching that may have fear that possibly has been diagnosed with cancer or they've had a loved one that passed and has gone on to heaven or they have someone else that's that's a loved one that is experiencing right now dealing with cancer. I pray, Lord, that your words will be spirit and they will be life through us tonight. So we will bring life, help, and healing and encouragement to everyone that is watching. In Jesus' name, amen Amen. and amen. Well, Pastor Al, um, I want to begin the uh, webcast here this evening by asking you a question because um, um, you was diagnosed uh, with melanoma. Um, a number of years ago, and you can tell me about that. But uh, let me ask you a question. When, when, when you went to the doctor, uh, did you get news right away that that you that they said you had melanoma? Did you get that no- news immediately, or what happened? No, I had had what I thought was a mole on the top of my right shoulder for a number of years. I had had those type moles removed from my back before, uh, never cancerous. Uh, so I thought it was the same thing always. And I got out of the shower one morning and I was toweling off and I noticed blood on the towel. So I said to my wife, Linda, I said, honey, maybe I should go to the dermatologist and get this checked out because they've never bled before. So when I went to the uh, dermatologist and uh, he looked at it, Immediately, he said, this is bad, I think. Uh, he said, but we're going to take a biopsy and send the biopsy off. And, uh, you know, we talked a while. And he said, uh, give us a week or 10 days and I'll get back with you about the biopsy. Well, two days later, I got a call. So gone from a week to 10 days to now, two when, days. When he, he first told you we're going to do a biopsy right. to see if this... If it's cancer. Okay, now... When you were in your car or whatever, and you're on your way home, what were you thinking? Well, I was thinking, I hope not. <laughs> I mean, you know, who wants cancer? Sure. Uh, I was thinking, I hope not. 
But uh, also, uh, like I said, when I got the call and uh, went back in and it was in the affirmative, uh, I, you know, I don't want to appear that I'm some kind of super Christian because I'm not, but I'm not by nature a worrier. I just don't worry. Uh, some people do. My wife is a worrier. Her mother was a worrier. Uh, I just don't worry, and so I, I consider that a blessing from God that I don't have to worry and brood about things. But, of course, it was different from him saying it looks bad uh, to getting a biopsy back and saying now it's absolutely affirmed that you have cancer, and he said it's the worst type of melanoma, and it's already in stage four. Uh, so he said, we've got to surgically remove it. And then they gave me all the x-rays and tests and found out that it was deeply rooted. The, the roots of, of what was here on top of my shoulder went all the way down. And he said, it, we're hoping to get it before it gets into the nerves, uh, which I was told later that they were able to do that. And for two years, Pastor, after that first surgery, I didn't think any more about it. I thanked God that they were able to remove it surgically. Uh, but then something they told me uh, rushed right back because I had a, another one to come under my arm. And so immediately, you know, it was the same color. And I went in and again, they confirmed that uh, the melanoma had returned. That's one of the things about melanoma it can keep coming back. They say if they get it uh, quickly, if it's uh, on the outside of your body or arm or, you know, not, not inward, uh, that usually it's no problem. But once it gets into your organs or anything like that, then it, it becomes very dangerous and it can just keep coming back, which is what's happened to me over the last six years. Uh, the first time uh, they surgically removed it, the second time, they surgically removed it. Uh, then I had a third uh, episode underneath the arm. And during that same time... Now, how long a period was this when you had the third one? Well, the, the second and third one took uh, place within a three-month span. Because when they went in to get the second one, then they found that there was one starting uh, underneath the arm. And that also was connected to a melanoma that came in the middle lobe of my right lung. So all of a sudden, I'm realizing what they told me in the beginning. Uh, this is not just going to be an easy fix, and we're going to cut it out, and that's going to be the end of it. You've already had three episodes in your arm. Now it's in the middle lobe of your right lung, and they had to go in and, and section out the tumor. In the, the, first, they talked about removing yep. they, the entire they, middle lobe. They... they Cut you in your back, you said. Well, when they did the lung surgery, yes. They said they used to cut you in half. She said, so you're fortunate now. We can go in from the back and, and we can section out the, the piece that has the tumor in it. Well, let me ask you something before we get into the mm -hmm. depths of that. And you've got some things here you want to read. Read them anytime you want to. But, um, you know, let's say three months in. Mm -hmm. And when you was at... What kind of a, here you are, a faith preacher, mm -hmm. a pastor, a minister of the gospel, and loving God, and had laid hands on thousands of people in your lifetime. Prayed for cancer patients. Uh, prayed for some, and I'm sure you've seen many healed by yep. the power of God. 
And But what was this doing to your faith? What was this doing to your emotions? I'm asking you several questions mm-hmm. here. But what was it doing to your faith, your emotions, and also your connection with God? Three questions. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm processing them. <laughs> I don't think it affected my faith whatsoever. Uh, emotionally, I've learned if anything is fickle, it's our emotions. Uh, yours, mine, anybody's, uh, any Christian. If you're going to live by your emotions, you're going to have a very upsetting life. Well, I often say, you know, that our emotions have no intelligence. That's right. That's right. Well, Satan also operates in that area. Sure he does. So if you give in to your emotions. Now, I I can't say I wasn't alarmed. I was alarmed that now, how many was I going to have? Now, when, when they told you about the third one. Yes. What were the doctor's words about your future and your life? Well, he said, because uh, the first time that he informed me, uh, my first melanoma, when he said, that's very bad, looks bad, uh, my brother-in-law was also one of his patients. That's how I got connected to him, uh, the dermatologist. And he informed my brother-in-law later on, he said, I, I didn't understand why your brother-in-law, Al, uh, didn't get upset when I told him how bad it was. Uh, he said, Mike, that's my brother-in-law, Mike, this is bad. Does he really know how bad it is? And uh, my brother-in-law said, yes, he knows how bad it is. It's just that uh, he's put it in God's hands. Well, I found out later my dermatologist, Chad, uh, was a, uh, that's your grandson too, by the way. Uh, Chad uh, had, uh, was a Christian. He was a, a member of a Baptist church near his office there in Macon, Georgia. And so uh, I began then to talk to him on a, a Christian-type level conversation every time I would go in. Because uh, I told him that day when he told me how bad it was, I said, Well, you know, uh, all of my life, Dr. Chad, I have uh, put everything, everything that came against me, every kind of battle, it's all been put in the hands of God. And I said, especially this one. I said, because, Doc, you know and I know that you don't have a cure for this. You can treat it. You can surgically remove it, as you have said, but you cannot cure me because there is no cure for cancer. And he said, well, that's true. Uh, he said, well, you know, what, what do you propose to do? I said, I propose to go on and live my life. Uh, I said, as long as I've got breath to breathe, I'm going to teach and preach the gospel. That's what I'm called to do. That's my purpose. Now, this, this was... After the third surgery. Yeah. Well, no, the conversation about how bad it was and the fact that he didn't understand why I wasn't more upset was after the first diagnosis. Now, when you went home and you, uh, was Linda with you when you went? No, she wasn't. I didn't didn't let her go. <laughs> She's a worrier. Now, was you living in Georgia or were you living in Pennsylvania? We were living in Warner Robins, Georgia. Okay. When you, you got home... Uh, on your way home, and uh, what was your conversation with Linda? Well, when I got home, uh, I told her, and she went all to pieces, because that's her nature. That's why I didn't take her with me. I wanted to find out just what was was going on. Uh, She's probably crying at home watching tonight on the web, because she's a very emotional person, and and I love her for that. She's very sensitive. Uh, She helps me with my sensitivity. Well, she she's, a, she's a she's a 
she's a beautiful person uh, inside and out. Yeah. And so, Linda, if you're watching, we're, we love you very much. <laughs> and thank God for you standing by his side, Al, through this. And uh, I know this can't, can't be easy. Now, um, so when you had this conversation, and you and Linda are trying to get through this, uh, and here you are, faith people, believing in healing, believing in the power of God. Um, how, how did you pray? Well, I pray like this, Pat. I am not afraid of the term, if it be thy will. A lot of us charismatics, we, we think that's a, not a statement of faith. Well, then Jesus didn't have any faith. Because in the garden, he said, Father, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. I want to do God's will, even if it involves suffering. Now, I don't say that lightly, because when we were traveling, my sister-in-law, Terry, was traveling with us, we made an album, our one and only <laughs> gospel album, and we titled it, Whatever It Takes. And during this, this, this song came back to me so many times. It says, whatever it takes, Lord, to draw closer to you, that's what I'll be willing to do. Uh, whatever it takes to be more like you, Lord, that's what I'll be willing to do. And then it says, I'll trade sunshine for rain. I'll trade comfort for pain. Lord, that's what I'll be willing to do for whatever it takes for my will to break. That's what I'll be willing to do. Now, we're not saying and you're not saying that God put this cancer Absolutely on Absolutely not. God doesn't do that. Uh, I want to clarify that, that you, did, you, you don't believe that cancer or any sickness or any disease comes, comes from, from God. God. No, absolutely not. Because God is good and the only thing that God does is good things. And when you said anything it takes that your will would be broken, why do you think that your will needed to be broken? I think everybody's will needs to be broken because we have an Adamic nature. Uh, that Adamic nature, that old nature that Adam had in the garden, uh, is a nature that wants its own will. We want our own way. I mean, if I had my way about it, I would say, I don't want cancer. I don't want to go through it. I don't want to have anything to do with any kind of sickness or disease. As a matter of fact, Pastor, uh, my first 40 years of life, I don't think I had anything other than a tonsillectomy when I was four years old. I didn't have anything to say about that. You know, but I'm saying I, I, I wasn't accustomed to sickness. I wasn't accustomed to having problems. Uh, but at a certain point in life, and, and I don't know why at a certain point in life, I mean, I, didn't, I wasn't doing anything different as far as I know, but I began to have different bouts with different things. The first uh, thing I had was diagnosed with was diabetes, which I had no clue that I had diabetes. Uh, and so they put me on medication for that. You know, I've been on that for a good night, 30, 35, 40 years. After that, I had a, a tumor taken out of my back near my spine, which caused some, some nerves to be damaged back there during that, which I still have no feeling in a certain part of my back today. Uh, that's where I give myself all my shots, because <laughs> I can't feel it. <laughs> I got a place in my hip back there. I said, go ahead and shoot right there. It's okay. Uh, so I consider that a blessing, you know? <laughs> a little tucked-in blessing there for that surgery. But after that, you know, then I had um, uh, hernia surgery, bilateral hernia, hernia surgery. 
Then I had uh, developed coronary heart disease and had to have open heart surgery. I mean, you know, like well, I said. Sounds like you was just some some broken <laughs> individual there for a while. Yeah, well, and, and, and that's, you know, maybe why I got to a point, and I'm not going to talk about Job a lot tonight. Job is somebody we always pick on when we talk about this subject. Uh, but we don't have to even go there. But I will say that, that I learned a lot from Job. And once I began to fight this fight that I'm still fighting as we sit here, uh, I went to Job and read it the whole book a lot of times because I feel like it's in there for some reason. And so if, if it's for me, I want to I want to glean everything I can from it. And I have many times. Uh, and one thing that Job said, he said, well, I accept only good from the hand of the Lord. In other words, if God changes things or things do change in my life, am I going to still praise God and worship God? Job said, yes. I said, yes. In spite of what happens, uh, and you just mentioned, God doesn't give us cancer. But here is something that I do believe. I believe God is sovereign. And what, what uh, Satan even said in his conversation with Job is, why shouldn't Job serve you? Because you've given him everything. All he is is blessed, blessed, blessed. But if you let me take the things that he, you've given him away from him, he'll curse you to your face. And God accepted that challenge and said, go ahead, try him. And we know the story. Satan tried Job, uh, took his houses, his land, his wealth, his children. And, and his wife wasn't an understanding wife during this time because she said, why don't you curse God and die? You know, do you still maintain your integrity uh, and your relationship with God? Just curse God and this whole thing will be over. You, you'll be out from under this. And Job said, you know, you're talking foolish. Because uh, the good Lord gives and the good Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Uh, let, let me read something uh, from Dr. Charles Stanley that I think, uh, I, I love Dr. Stanley. Uh, he's a Baptist, but there's some good Baptists around. Uh, my, my brother was a Baptist preacher. He's with the Lord now. But it says, sometimes followers of Christ get the wrong idea about their role versus God's role. Now, they may think that God is sitting on his throne waiting to meet their needs when they call on him. Although he is a loving father and he does provide for us, we must be careful not to assume that God exists to serve us. The reality is that we exist for God. God created us for his purposes and has equipped every believer to serve him in some fashion. According to Ephesians 2.10, we are God's workmanship. We are created in Christ Jesus for good works. I love this part. Which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Everything about us has been designed by God to equip us for the work that he has preordained that we do before we were born. So... I don't think Satan can throw anything at us. I don't think he can attack us in any way that God wasn't, of course, being omniscient, already aware of. And what I have, have come to believe and what I have come to experience that I think we forget sometimes. You've sang, I'm sure you have, I have all my life, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up 
somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh, Lord, you know I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then, Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. I sing that song because I've talked to a lot of people that said they really wanted to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. I've never heard anybody say, I'm dying to go to heaven, but that's what you got to do if you're going to go. That's right. Unless uh, we're here when Jesus comes. Uh, yeah, unless we're raptured. But uh, just, just to finish that thought, you can, you can insert whatever you need to uh, as we go along. Uh, as a matter of fact, I can ask you some questions if you want me to. <laughs> but we, we, what I'm saying is, uh, if, if we don't have an eternal view, we get so in love with this world, Pastor. Uh, I, I, I like, you know, hey, I like... Well, I guess, I guess then, um, did this give you a, a, a different perspective when... You know, obviously, the doctor probably never said, well, you're destined, you're going to die from this disease or something like that. But he told your brother-in-law, don't you know the seriousness of it? And so, um, and so, um, even though they didn't tell you you were going to die, I, that had to be in your, your thinking. Yeah, well, absolutely, especially when uh, it went to my lung. Uh, because uh, when it gets into your lung, your liver, your various organs, it's really, really serious. Thing. I mean, it's serious from the get-go. But as long as it's not getting into your organs, uh, you know, you feel like you still have a fighting chance. Uh, when they told me initially, uh, after the lung surgery, because it, I had barely recuperated from the lung surgery and I went in for the surgery follow-up which I expected to say okay now we're good to go and blah 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 and uh, he pulled up a chair and he said well pastor I hate to tell you this and I'm going oh my goodness he said uh, now the melanoma has come back in your chest cavity and we need to do another surgery. Well, at this point in time now, I was frustrated. I wasn't angry at God, but I... I well, I, I was just about to ask you that question. What was your, um, what was your demeanor towards God during the process of your body being cut on mm -hmm. and, you know, never getting any good news? Yeah. You know, because God is good news. And, of course, you know, you've gone through here talking about Job. And um, I don't believe that God puts us in sickness and disease to teach us something. Now, some people say, God puts this on me to teach me. Well, again, they'll say, you, you, God don't put it on you. But when the devil puts it on you, God's going to use it. If, if the person will allow it. Right. If a person will allow it, yeah. see, Not some people. The person's going to be bitter. If they're and then see, that's that's how we want to. That's how we really want to help people tonight. Is no matter if it's not cancer, mm -hmm. um, if it's you know anything, any sickness or any uh, loss, financial loss mm -hmm. or anything, whatever it is, get in 
bitter and angry at God. Uh, a, a, a question I want to ask you here, and then I'll finish this statement. Did you ever say, why, why me? No, I, I said, why not me? When people would ask me, you know, the same thing you did. Now, don't you wonder why? Just like, go back to Job just for this point. Uh, everybody around Job thought he'd sinned or done something wrong, and that's why he was going through this. And, and it had nothing to do with it. As a matter of fact, it was God's fault, if you want my opinion. Uh, because God is the one that initiated this whole trial. When Satan came before God, uh, God asked him where he'd been. And he said, I've been on the earth, roaming to and fro. And he said, doing what? And, and then God threw up Job in the devil's face. He said, have you considered my servant Job? In other words, that's my boy. And Satan said, well, why shouldn't you? You've blessed him you know, immensely. And then the whole trial started. But it, it started because God had enough confidence in his servant Job that he said to Satan, no matter what you do to him, it's not going to stop him from loving and worshiping me. Well, that's true. That's true. That's what happened. But now we're in the new covenant. Mm -hmm. And in the new covenant, the scripture says in Isaiah 53, it says that he has taken our sicknesses, he's taken our sorrows, and he's taken the diseases. And so how do you relate that now in the new covenant that, um, you know, God allowed that to happen to Job, but... Do you think that when, you know, you, 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 you're like Job, you said, I didn't sin, I didn't do anything any different, I was just still Al Rowan, mm -hmm. you didn't use that particular term, mm -hmm. but you said I was Al Rowan, and this happened to me, and I asked you, did you ask God why, and you said no, you said why, why not me? Well, yeah, why would I be different from yeah. anybody else that's attacked with cancer is what I meant by that, you know, in other words, I'm not special. Uh, I'm, I'm God's child, but many other people were Now, God's you child. said that it made you, you know, we use the word closer, and, and, you know, really that's not an accurate term for any of us to use, that we get closer to God, we become more it, aware it of God. It made me more somber, more serious about God. That's what I meant. And, and that well, you always me. were. I was, but, uh, yeah, I've been called intense all my life. Why are you so intense? I told a preacher one time, I said, when you find out the same devil's after you that's after me, you'll be intense. <laughs> this is not a game. This is not a game. Well, it's not a game. And I want to say that right now, that, that life, life is not easy. Even with Jesus. Even with the, even with the Word of God. Life is not easy. Ever since Satan tempted Eve and she gave in and she, she yielded to Satan, everything changed. And of course Jesus came, we know that, to give us life and to give it to us more abundantly. But one of the things that uh, God did not do, he did not, rem you know, Adam and Eve would have lived forever if they would have continued to eat from the tree of life, but they disobeyed God. So when they disobeyed God, obviously, death came into their body when sin came. Now, we know they didn't die immediately. They died little by little in their flesh, but spiritually, they went dark that day. They went dark, and God's presence was not near them. Mm -hmm. But now, when we're born again, 
and we're alive in Jesus, we use the term getting closer to God. Well, mm-hmm. uh, I don't think we get closer to God. I don't either. I think we 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 become more aware of God's presence. Yes, and, and we so practice His presence. You, you practice His presence more. So you're telling me when this happened to you, um, I started practicing a lot. You started practicing <laughs> a lot. Now, how long since that particular surgery when you came through that third one and then they said, now you have it in your chest cavity? About three years. About three years. Because we've been here almost two years. Uh, in Dallas. Right. And uh, it's just... Uh, well, before we go any further, if someone, you know, you, you talked about your sister-in-law and you told mm-hmm. me when this happened about... I guess three months ago, maybe. Uh, probably somewhere in that neighborhood, because you've met her. She was out here before exactly. that. It's been since then. Uh, that she was diagnosed with cancer, mm-hmm. and they have done surgery on her. Yes. And um, obviously, as we talked about, they're going to. What would you tell someone? What did you tell your sister-in-law when when uh, uh, you got word, or you, you? What did you talk to her? What did you tell her? About her cancer? About what happened to her, how to deal with it, or anything? Well, as I said, she traveled with us for a number of years, and so she knows my beliefs in that area, and I would say she probably uh, believes close to what I believe. She's a strong Christian, so she has strong faith, and she has a very upbeat attitude. Uh, and a lot of things, I haven't seen her post one negative thing uh, since she found this out. Everything's been positive, 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 because that's the type of person she is. And that's how she chooses to deal with it. That's how I've chosen to deal with it. Uh, I don't sit around and brood over it. I mean, I just, you know this, we haven't discussed this point yet, but just three weeks ago, uh, I was asked to take a, a certain test, and they found a spot on my liver. So now I have melanoma on my liver. Uh, the treatment for that, uh, I got a couple of calls even yesterday and again today uh, talking about putting me back on immunotherapy along with cyber knife radiation. Uh, and, and let me just say this, Pastor. I cannot say this. I cannot say that there aren't times when one thing after another, one thing after another, one thing after another, one thing after another in succession comes boom, boom, boom. That sometimes I haven't felt, uh, Lord, I'm tired. You know, I'm, I'm tired. Uh, can I get a little relief? You know, even from tests. I don't want to take any more tests because they can start wearing on your your nerves. Just you know, I told you the other day I laid on the longest MRI I've ever had for two hours. I had to in the middle. I had to say, please let me get up and go to the bathroom. You know, I didn't go in there expecting to lay there all day. Uh, and these were pictures supposedly to uh, help them know how to treat me for this liver cancer. And so when I went home, you know, Linda and I talked about this. I, I think my statements was, well, here we go again. Here we go again on this kind of merry-go-round of cancer. Uh, but I, I do take comfort in this. God said, he would never put more on us than we could stand. I mean, you know, Pastor, when I first got here, you, you, you took me home one day and, and, and we got to my apartment. I broke down in front of you. 
And uh, it was mainly because, I mean, I wasn't sad or anything. I was tired. Uh, it just seemed so many things, so many things. And I, I do take all this to God. You know, I take it to the Lord in prayer, I think, is a, one of the greatest songs ever written. Uh, take it to the Lord in prayer. God understands, but He wants to hear from us. And prayer gives me expression to God. And if you're watching this, whatever disease you're fighting, prayer gives you expression to God. Prayer is your, is your connection to God. Although the Holy Spirit lives in you, prayer is your communication mechanism. I heard it said uh, uh, during the war that uh, Germany said they wouldn't have lost the war, but the United States bombed their railways and their bridges and broke their communication. They couldn't get supplies through. You need to remember that. When you don't pray, uh, it's broken communication. And God can't get the things through to you that he wants to get through. And then Satan can come in and overwhelm you. It's not that Satan has the power to do it. He doesn't. But sometimes we forfeit things because we're not in constant communication with God. That don't mean we walk around with our hands folded up praying all the time. Well, I often say, and of course it's not my words, but I, 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 I repeat them because I heard them, I read it in a book about Smith Wigglesworth. He yes. says, I don't pray a long time, but I don't go a long time without, without praying. praying. That's right. And so even now for me, even though that, you know, I'm relatively healthy, I pray because I want to pray. Absolutely. I don't pray because I think I might die tomorrow. Mm -hmm. I could. Yeah. But um, that's not why I pray, and I don't think that anybody anybody should only be praying when you feel like something's wrong. And I believe that's one of the mistakes that Christians make is when you feel like something's wrong, something's not going right, or you get a diagnosis from the doctor, um, and then you start praying. Well, I, I really feel like that praying, as you said, is communication. You're expressive to God in prayer, and and you don't come, you don't come begging God, and you don't come pleading with God. You come in faith and confidence that God hears you. Yeah. Now, uh, th this is a, a real blunt question. Yeah. Um, you you explained, you know, when we were sitting in the car and we were talking, and of course, you know, you've been friends with me for years, and, and I have great compassion for not only you, but for anyone. Absolutely. Uh, and when you, when you had that experience, emotional moment there I guess I could call it is that fair to say uh, it was pretty emotional <laughs> um, I didn't feel sorry for you no and I didn't want you to uh, and that wasn't the reason it was uh, just an outburst of something that you was experiencing and what I did I came home and just really prayed that God would strengthen you and encourage you yeah. and I believe that I believe that what we should when the Bible says pray one for another. Mm -hmm. Now, the question I want to ask you, you came home the other day and you said, here we go again. Mm -hmm. Now, this, this is tough. Yeah. This is tough about what I'm about to That's all right. I can take it. Um, <laughs> did you feel sorry for yourself? No. 
I don't. How did you keep from feeling sorry for yourself? Well, I and, don't. Or having a pity party? No, I, I don't think I've, you know, I, I hate to sound egotistical when it comes to things like this, but I, I go back to the fact that I just, I'm not a worrier, I'm not a brooder. Uh, but some people are. Oh, they are. But I'm, I'm just saying. Some people are highly sensitive and oh, emotional. Oh, well, my wife is. That's why I try to protect her from certain things until I feel she's ready for it. The time I had my lung surgery and I came back and they found it in my chest again, she just broke down and fell over on me. And she said, honey, I hate for you to have to go through this again. Of course. She said, because I'm going through it with you. Yes. And now sometimes I've been stupid and said, well, no, you're not. I'm the one going through this. Yeah, and and I, she understands what I mean. Uh, but she being one with me for almost 56 years, I'm not, we keep chasing you and Pastor Sherrod. We can't quite catch you. <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, we are one and we go through things together. But what I want to say, because I, I don't want to run out of time. Did, did I get off track there from your question? No, no. You, you said, I asked you, did you feel sorry for yourself or have a pity oh, party? Yeah. And you yeah. said, no, you didn't. And, and of course, I, I want you to say what you need to say. Um, but how, how do you keep from, you know, because I, I, I mentioned then I went to another subject matter of people being highly emotional. Right, and, right. and I'm not saying Linda is, but, but highly is. emotional people do yeah. uh, easily find themselves in a pity party yeah. or feeling sorry for themselves. And why am I going through this yeah. and so forth? And so it won't help. That's one. You know, it won't help. To well, do that's that. that's that's a big deal right there is what you said. Mm -hmm. Now, what you said, it will not solve no. the issue by feeling sorry for yourself. Right. And so is it just the fact that you're just a strong person? Your yeah. constitution is strong to keep you from it? Or do you take the word of God and and not allow those feelings of uh, of pity to overwhelm you. I learned from Paul. Paul said, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. But it, he wasn't talking about his own strength. He was talking about the strength of God in him. When he's weak. See, when, we, when we're really, really weak and we understand we can't do one thing about our situation, it's great to know that his strength is there. Because a lot of times we try to go in our own strength. We don't realize it. But we just try and I'm going to fight this battle. I'm going to fight this devil. I'm going to fight this demon. Where, where are you going to lose? Mm -hmm. You're going to lose if it's not the Holy Spirit. My pastor told me, you know, Sister Taylor, she told me years ago, son, if if the devil comes to your door, you better not go. You better send the Holy Ghost to mm -hmm. the door. Mm -hmm. And what she was saying is don't be trying to whip the devil yourself because you can't do it. It's going to take the God in you. And, and you know, I hear some people say, well, I've got power over the devil only because God gives it to you. You know, you don't have power over anything unless God's in you. Well, I know you've got some things you want to get to, but We're one more thing. We're not going to get to all this. Uh, I, I want to ask you one more question. How do you keep fear out when you go to the doctor, and especially since you've just been told yesterday um, they want to um, to do some other things, I guess, radiation and... And immunotherapy. And Im 
Yeah, immunotherapy is what I reacted to before. I think about when Job sat on the ash pile, covered from head to toe in those cancerous running sores, those boils, scraping himself. Uh, I had a reaction to the first immunotherapy treatment and broke out in a horrible red rash. I still have a little semblance of it right here on my face. But I was from head to toe with those big red whelps. And I thought about Job. Thank God it didn't itch. They kept at it. Normally it would have. God spared me that. Uh, and, and I didn't have to encounter that. But it lasted for months. Yeah, I don't, go ahead. Okay. Back to the question. Yeah. How do you keep out fear when they give you, when they tell you these things? Well, I don't have any fear because God has not given me the spirit of fear. Uh, and I don't say that facetiously. I mean, I don't. I'm not afraid to die. Number one. Now that's 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 a question I was about to ask you. Yeah. No, I'm not afraid to die. I believe the Bible, Pastor Don. Paul said to die and be with Christ is far better. Now either that's the truth or it's a lie, and I believe it's the truth because it's God's word. Now that doesn't mean I have a death wish. But it means that if I'm staring death in the face, I can look at death and say, I'm not afraid of you. God hasn't given me the spirit of fear. And if I die, I know I'm going to be with God. To be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. Now, we can get in, you know, there's so many subjects that interconnect to what we're talking about that we could spend months, years, because God's word is so powerful. And it, it, it has the same thread from Genesis all the way through. God wants us back with him. He's wanted that ever since the fall. And everything, all the thread that runs through the word of God is God wanting us back. He wants us back. Jesus' words before he left, he said, In my Father's house are many mansions. He said, If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. I believe it's ready by now. And he said, if I go, I'm going to come again. For what reason? To receive you unto myself, for you to be where I am. Right. He was saying, I want you back. Right. All during Israel's backsliding, God kept saying, I want you back. Right. I want you back. And this whole life that we live on planet Earth is for us to get, this is a dressing room. It is. Our life it here is. is a dressing room to put on the whole armor of God, uh, to fulfill Romans 8, 29. God said, I want all of my sons to be conformed to the image of my son. Right. So God wants a whole army of Jesuses. Not, there's only one begotten son of God. But he wants a whole army of sons of God that's going to make up the kingdom of God. Well, I said almost every sermon or every time I'm talking publicly about Jesus or privately, the only Jesus that the world will ever see is the Jesus in, in us. us. And so I want to say, too, that as we're sitting here talking, um, and I want people to know that um, um, I don't treat you with pity. I treat you with respect. I treat you, you with love. You got no pity for me? No, I got no <laughs> pity for you. I don't want it. Uh, 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 you know, um, I don't have a sad song to sing. Or no. Ray Boyne used to sing a song. I don't have a sad song to sing or a pity bell to ring. I wish I had all the words to I that like song. I like to hear him sing. Oh, it was it was something <laughs> else. But uh, how do you you know help somebody right now, Pastor Al, with uh, they're dealing if they're dealing with 
feeling sorry for themselves because of loss of a loved one maybe or what they're going through in their body or maybe a lack of finances how you know uh, and fear you know the 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 bible says you you quoted the scripture it says god has not given us a spirit of fear but power and love and a sound mind and it says that perfect love perfect love cast out fear perfect mm-hmm. love cast out fear you know and you were saying you could speak and speak and speak and i often say uh, Love is the opposite of fear. Faith, people preach and say faith is the opposite of fear. Well, it is in a sense, but the real opposite of fear is love. And so when love comes, it's not, it's not just shouting and saying words in the name of Jesus that makes things happen. Mm-hmm. It's actually the love of God. Faith comes from love. I mean, it comes from hearing the word, but... It, Love is the principal foundation. So, mm-hmm. has that made your, uh, your, has your love for God been more expressive to Him and others through this? Absolutely, without a doubt. I'm more God conscious. Uh, I've preached a series. We haven't aired it yet on on uh, how to achieve God consciousness. Yeah, and we want to do that as soon as possible. Yeah, because, uh, you know, it's something we need to do. We need to be God conscious all the time. I've had people say, oh, that's not possible. It is possible. It doesn't mean, as I said a minute ago, that you walk around like this with right. your eyes closed. That has nothing to do with God consciousness. It's just practicing the presence of God because we know He's there. We, we, we mentally assent to it, but sometimes we're not conscious. Well, I think probably answering the question I ask you is yeah. uh, keeping fear out mm-hmm. and not being afraid is constantly renewing your thinking yes um, meditating in the scriptures and and spending time with God and worshiping the Lord yes. and being being with people that are positive yeah and you I mean that's the you know that's probably the uh, the greatest key is to have the mind of Christ. If you don't have the mind of Christ, you're going to be thinking wrong. And if you think wrong, uh, you're going to act wrong. <laughs> so you, you've got to have the right thoughts. But we don't get to the point like uh, Christian science and teach mind over matter. Uh, it's God's Word over anything. Yes. God's Word is dominant. God's Word prevails. Uh you mentioned about you know what to do if people are sorrowful or if they, you yes, know, if they're yes. great. I think of Jesus himself who was sorrowful. Uh, he was sorrowful in the garden. He was overwhelmed. Uh, the, the very terminology tells us he was overwhelmed with what he faced, what he knew was coming upon him. So it's all right to be sorrowful. Uh, I was talking to someone today, and, and I said, you know, when, when Jesus was informed that his friend Lazarus was dying, sick unto death, he didn't hurry up to go to him. He actually slowed down uh, the journey to get to Lazarus. And when he got to, to, the, to, to his friend's home, uh, Mary and Martha went out to talk to him, went out to meet him. When Martha did, Mary kind of stayed behind and eventually got there. But Jesus was so moved that he wept over the death of Lazarus, knowing that in five minutes he was going to raise him from the dead. Exactly. Uh, but he still grieved with them. The Bible says weep with those who weep. And so I think if someone is sorrowing and they're mournful, we ought to go to them and sorrow with them. 
That don't means we got to get down in a pity party, exactly. like you would say. Exactly. It means we show genuine grief. It's okay to grieve. It's not okay to live in grief. It's not some. It's a well, place we it's, visit. We don't live there. Well, I think it's um, a compassion. Yes. You know, uh, you know, I think Jesus was so compassionate when he saw what everybody was going through because of the death of Lazarus, right. and so. Um, to me, I'm compassionate for you, and I don't want people to think that I'm uh, I'm not compassionate. Oh, I think they understood what you but said. But <laughs> I treat you, I treat you the same as I do Pastor Jan, mm-hmm. uh, in the sense he of, has no pity for you either, by the way. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that I just look for today and tomorrow and next day and next week, next month, next year, mm-hmm. and um, because I just believe that. You know, you're living by faith. And as you're living by faith, I don't, I'm don't. i not expecting you to leave us. I'm expecting you to stay here with Thank us. Thank you. I hope your expectancy uh, is rewarded. Well, I believe it will be. <laughs> I believe it will be. And that doesn't mean I'm not kind to you or compassionate to you. I am those things. But um, I just believe, Pastor Al, that God's anointing is on you. God's hands upon you. And your work is not finished. And you've yet got much more to do. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I want to ask one more question that I haven't asked. Ask and, I, and I know you've got some things you want to cover. Well, we're not going to get there. Hopefully um, we can talk about this some more. Well, we'll be, we can do this. But um, now this is a, another personal question. Um, when you go to the, to the hospital mm-hmm. uh, to, for one of the appointments, for whatever they may be, and you walk through where people are getting chemo or they're getting these medicines and some of them are very, very weary and um, very frail because their, their, their life has just been drained from them yes. because of the sickness. How, now maybe it's not the right word to ask you, but how do you feel um, how do you feel when you walk through there and you see these people? What does that do to you? I feel like Jesus gives me his compassion. Uh, I see so many people when I go that are in worse shape than me. So number one, I said, well, Lord, you know, I, I don't complain. I try not to ever complain. I said, but Lord... If I ever even thought about it when I walked through here, it just leaves my mind altogether. But I remember the scripture where the Bible says Jesus was moved with compassion because he saw the people were like sheep without a shepherd. And it broke him. And and he, he prayed and ministered. I, when I see people like this, number one, I can... I can have empathy now. If I if someone came in here tonight and said, I have cancer, would you pray for me? I would pray for them uh, a little differently than I, I would before I had the cancer because before I had the cancer, I could have sympathy. Now I can have empathy. The difference is if you have empathy, you actually feel what they feel. The Bible says that Jesus was touched with the feeling of our infirmities and anybody's infirmities and had compassion on them and healed them. I don't believe we can help anybody without compassion. I don't think you can just go up and slap somebody on the head and be praying for somebody. You've got to feel, you've got to have compassion. You've got to at least have sympathy. 
But when I see cancer patients now, and, and listen, the first time I ever went in before I had an immunotherapy treatment, they gave me the tour. And they took me what I call, I don't, you know, it's, it's a large room. Uh, when I go in for immunotherapy, they put me in what I call a cubicle. And you're in there by yourself just with the apparatuses hooked to you till your treatment is done. But there is a large room where many people are in there taking uh, a treatment of drugs in their arm. And, and they don't have to be, you know, they can be uh, uh, maybe 25 or 30 in there at one time. That is a sad picture. Because many of these are elderly people. I'm elderly too. I don't feel like it. But uh, for I, you. I, I guess I'm in there with the rest of them age-wise. But when I, I look at them, and Linda will laugh, I said, you know, there were some old people today uh, that I saw. And, so, and, and, and she said, well, how old are you? I said, well, you know what I mean. They, that they were older than me because they, they look older. They think older. But, and I believe God wants to renew our youth. He said he would renew our youth like the eagle. And the eagle doesn't renew till it's 70 years old. So, you know, when it's 70 years old, it, it crawls out on a rock somewhere and beats that crook off of its beak and starts over again. You're an eagle fan. You've got all these eagles. You yes. know about that. But I, I think that if, if we just understand uh, that God has compassion for us, uh, God, listen, if I hurt, God hurts more. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if, if I'm, uh, you know, moved with compassion, uh, God is moved more. And, uh, and what I pray, Pastor, is this. And I, and, and I think going through things and struggling does cause us to relate to others who struggle. Uh, how can I relate to someone going through something I've never gone through. I can relate to them much better when I can say to you, I've been, I wish I knew the song Jake Hess sings, but uh, it's called I've Been There. Uh, I've felt those uh, lonely trials. I've been there uh, through the miles. In other words, they're saying Jesus has already been there. Right. He's been there. Everything that we, we've gone through, he went through it. Uh, so Paul said, if we're willing to suffer with him, we'll also be like him in his resurrection. So I think when we, when we relate to the sufferings of Christ uh, by suffering ourselves, I'll tell you something the doctor told me the other day, and I said, I'm going to tell on you. Uh, I was sitting on the table waiting for this test to start, and I said, you know what I hate is having to keep my arms up over my head inside that little cubicle with my elbows tucked in for an hour. I said, my, my arms get numb. They go to sleep. It's painful. And he said, well, you know, you are in the hospital. When you come to the hospital, you expect, you expect a little pain. And I looked at him and I said, no, I don't. And I'm going to tell your superior, that's I jokingly, <laughs> what you just said to me, that I'm supposed to expect pain because I don't expect any pain when I come in. I said, if you give me pain, I'm in, I'm in shock. I'm surprised by it. I didn't come in <laughs> expecting it. And I told Pastor when I was telling him about this incident, I said, when I finally got up off that table after two hours, I gave him a hug. I said, man, alive, I'm so glad to get off this table. I, you just won't understand the joy in my soul. And, uh, you know, and, and I, I like to, you know, I tease with him sometimes. Talk to him about Jesus. Talk to him about God. And I think I should. I think if I'm there and I'm in that situation, the best thing I can do is share who I am in Christ.
And yeah. I think that's what anybody should do, whatever you're going through. Well, you know, we've sat here for um, an hour now talking about what you have gone through and are going through, and you've got future uh, things they want to try and do. And I have wanted people to hear this testimony for the simple reason it's been six years, Pastor. Yes, it has. It's been six years, and I I don't have a clue. And you said something that I want you to understand that Pastor Al is not saying that God gave me this so I could feel the infirmities of the others. That's what Jesus took. Mm -hmm. But now that he's had cancer, he can relate more. Just like with me, um, I was always compassionate with people. If, if a woman lost her husband or a parent lost their child or, or there was a loss of any kind, uh, a husband lost a wife, you know, I was always compassionate, but I could not feel the pain of loss. Not that God killed our son, because he didn't. But when this happened, when this happened, I now have had a greater, I guess the word you use, with greater empathy um, for people when they lose a spouse or a child or a parent. And... And and it's the same, uh, <clears throat> I'm going to say this real quickly because we're running out of time, but I, I had a pastor friend of mine that pastored a large church, a very large church, and um, he said to me, they, they had a situation in their family, and he called me and I, I went and ministered to him about this situation in his family, but he had a large church, and he's a great preacher, still a great preacher, but he said for over 20 years, he said, he said, Don, for over 20 years I've been a successful pastor, but I never knew what my congregation was experiencing, even though I was preaching the word and preaching faith to them. Mm -hmm. But he said, when I started going through what our family is in the midst of and going through, this changed my whole perspective mm -hmm of how I felt towards my congregation because it wasn't that I didn't love my congregation, that I wasn't preaching to my congregation to bring help and life to them. And I knew that some had cancer. I knew that some had divorces. Some had this. Some had that. Some had children that was gone astray. Mm -hmm. But he said, I could only care for them the best I could. Yes. But when I faced something, then that gave me a greater understanding of what it was like. Yes. And so that's the reason tonight I ask you to be here with me and to share this very personal journey. Yes. I mean it's 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 very personal and I hope it's not painful for you to to share this journey. No, I think we go through things to share them. You know, my wife has said uh, through the years he said our family has no secrets. My husband tells them all from the pulpit. <laughs> Uh, and I think the reason for that is if we share our life experience, like you're saying, it helps others. Uh, let me just read this uh, right here in closing, 2 Corinthians 1, 4. God comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. 
So God comforts us so we can comfort someone else. God has comforted me throughout. And by the way, I'm one year past death. I was supposed to have died within the five years. Wow. And so I've been alive for six uh, since the cancer diagnosis. And like you said, I'm going to uh, act on your word and be alive for a while long. Amen. I believe that. <laughs> and, I believe uh, that. Because you know, we didn't even get into the power of our limits. And that's a subject all its own. The power of our limitations. Because we always say, well, I've got such limitations. There's power there. Uh, you know, we can't, we, we can't even scratch well, that. Well, we can't. We can't because <laughs> of, of the time. But... Um, and here's someone talking about doctors tell a parent of a child with autism to have a time of grieving because it's just like losing a child. It's really hard without God. And she's from the Philippines. And then I want to say, too, if uh, anyone wants to support us and help us, you know, uh, I very rarely ask for support. But, um, you know, I don't only just have to pay for the, the time and cameras and staff and stuff like that, but... We give to missions, and Sunday I received an offering for a pastor friend of mine yes. in the Philippines. Um, for a pastor friend of mine in the Philippines, his wife has cancer, and they fly back and forth from treatment from the Philippines to China because it's not a long distance, and China has better equipment than and better conditions than they do in the Philippines. And I received an offering. Uh, it wasn't as much as I'd like for it to have been. And so if you want to help on that, you know, if you want to help on that, you know, I, I, I give to the Cancer Society because um, I believe in their, what they're doing. They're trying to help people, and I see so many good things they do. So I, I donate personally to the can Cancer Society. Um, so if, if you want to, to help, if you'd like to help this pastor that's flying back and forth to China and the Philippines to get his wife treatment for cancer, he wants his wife to live, just like Pastor Al wants to live. Mm -hmm. And uh, no one, I very seldom do you find anybody that wants to die. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we're here tonight not to bring attention to anything other than God is good in the midst of something bad. And I think that's what Pastor Al has communicated very well tonight, that he's been strong. God's given him strength. God's given him courage to walk through this cancer without giving up, without saying, I'm done. Uh, I'm going to let it take its course, and I'm just going to lie down and go on to heaven. No, he's fought back. He's fought back. And I'm telling you, fight back. And if and if you haven't given to our ministry and sown into our ministry, I, I really ask you to help us do this because we're helping people not only through this webcast, but as I said, uh, we send people money, missionaries, we help people. And we want you to do your best. And if they'll real quickly put on the uh, screen there the website, just go to eoglobal.church and click on the, the out there. Right there it says give. Um, you can, you can, um, uh, if you if you do that, we'll have it within within seconds of the time you touch the button, and you'll get acknowledgement of your gift. And also, there's a place you can send it to if you don't like doing the internet. Just do that, and I know you'll be blessed. Well, as we close, Pastor Al, I'd like for you to pray for our audience and people that may be going through cancer or they may be in fear of cancer. They may be uh, in a pity party mm -hmm. of some type and be highly emotional. So I want you to pray for whatever the needs may be. All right. 
Heavenly Father, as we look into this camera tonight and we look into the eyes and the faces of those who are watching uh, this webcast, we've already discussed about feelings and emotions. Uh, sometimes they're up, sometimes they're down. Sometimes we're exasperated. Sometimes we don't have words and we just sit in silence. Uh, Job's friends did that for seven days. They came to visit him and they felt such grief with him that it was beyond words. You may be there. You may be in grief or uh, you've experienced something that is beyond words. Well, tears are a language that God understands. Uh, so if you're beyond words, he reads your tears. He knows your thoughts. And we send the word of God to you uh, via this technology. So wonderful thing that we can sit here at this table, Pastor Don and myself, and we can send the word of God to where you are. Jesus spoke the word and they were healed. Jesus spoke the word and they were delivered. And tonight we send to you not our word, not our thoughts, but the blessed anointed word of the Almighty God. Rise and be healed in the name of Jesus. Rise up and be encouraged out of that despondency. Rise up out of mm. that fear mm. and have courage mm. like you've never mm. had before. Yes. Yes. My word to you yes. in this prayer is yes. rise Thank you, up Jesus. in Thank the you, name Jesus. of Jesus and Thank be you, set Lord. free oh. right now Thank and you, give Jesus. God glory. Oh. Amen and amen Thank and amen. You, Jesus. Well, Pastor Al, thank you once again for sharing this journey with us. And the prayer that he just prayed, I think, says it all. That it is all about giving life, hope, and strength. And I pray that no one is saddened by our conversation, but encouraged by looking at this pastor, this man, this human being, that has had a journey in the last six years that's been up and down, that's been good news and bad news, more bad news than good. But he's depended on the good news of the Word of God to get him through each Amen. day. And you can do the same, whoever you are. And I hope that many of you will share this on your page and let other people be blessed by what we have spoken about and talked about tonight. Now, don't forget now, uh, we move forward in our time here in the United States. We move forward in most all of the states, not all of them, but especially here in Texas. We move forward on Saturday night. And then we're going to be having our special service this Sunday. And we'll be live at 10.30 a.m. Central Daylight time. It'll be daylight time then. So God bless you until we meet again.